0: That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $129 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $249 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Yo, had a little technical difficulties there, but this
1: is Duval Daily. Thanks for being here. We're presented by GenJag.com. I'm Jordan DeLugo. Pumped to be talking some Jags football with you guys here on a Monday morning. Today, it's time for us to look at the Jaguars' biggest potential weaknesses heading into 2022. We spent a lot of time on this show being very complimentary about the Jaguars' offseason. They've done a lot of good things bringing in Doug Peterson, you know, pairing him with Trevor Lawrence, adding all this new talent on both sides of the ball. But today it's a realistic look at what could go wrong for the Jaguars this upcoming season. If you're a fan of the show, please like and subscribe on YouTube. And follow myself on Twitter at Jordan Delugo, Generation Jaguar, at Generation Jag. Good morning, John. Thanks for being here. Later today, we've got the Lugo on Duval coming up at 2 p.m. That's on the relevant app. We'll be talking minicamp and the naming rights to the Jaguars practice facility that is incoming. Again, that's exclusively on the relevant app, Mondays and Wednesdays at 2 p.m. You can find the relevant app in the app store. I'll drop a link below. So the Jaguars' biggest potential weaknesses in 2022, what are they going to be? I'm going to start off with newness. Everything, and I mean everything, is pretty much brand spanking new. New coaching staff. First-time offensive coordinator and press Taylor. Of course, he's not calling the plays. That'll be Doug Peterson's responsibility, but he is managing the offense. Brand new defensive coordinator, Mike Caldwell. Never called plays before in the NFL. Former linebackers coach for Tampa, New York Jets, Arizona. He's been with Todd Bowles a long time. We like both of these guys. I think Press Taylor and Mike Caldwell are both super smart. Uh, I think they're both wired the right way to come in and help this football team win games. But they are brand new. Never done this before. Over half the starters on offense and defense are new. When you look at the offense, Christian Kirk is a new starter. Brandon Scherf, Evan Ingram, Walker Little if he wins the right tackle spot, which I predict him to win that spot. Tyler Shatley, he started a lot of games here, but he's never gone into the season as a starter at center. Zay Jones is a new starter. Travis Etienne, he didn't play in 2021. He's a new starter a ton of guys on the offensive side of the ball. And then you look at the defensive side of the ball, Ball, Foley Fatoukasi, Trayvon Walker, Boye Aluokan, Devin Lloyd, Andre Sisco, not a starter last year. Darius Williams comes over from the Rams. All these guys are going to play major roles and be starters for this football team. And then you look at, there's going to be a lot more guys that are going to be contributors who are new as well. On the offensive side of the ball, I mean, and on the defensive side of the ball, Chad Moom is going to contribute. Snoop Connor, it looks like, is going to have to contribute at least early on. Nick asks about, is Kevin Austin making the roster? That's another guy. Does he have to contribute at some point? So, and then you also look at, not only do you have a brand new offensive and defensive coordinator that have never done this job before, And all these new starters, Trevor Lawrence is still going into the first, the second year of his career. And it's coming off a season in which probably did not uh, prepare him the best for the future. He certainly learned plenty in his rookie year, but a second year going into Doug Peterson's system would be much more beneficial for Trevor Lawrence if this was his second year instead of his first year. You know, second year in the NFL, but it's his second offensive system in as many years and third if you want to go back to his final year at Clemson he's had a new offensive system each of the last three years so and you've you've got a lot of other guys that are young that are going to be contributing so I just think newness could be a weakness early on I don't think long term that it's going to be a problem I think I like Press Taylor I think Mike Caldwell has the potential to be a great defensive coordinator. He's well-respected around the league. Again, he comes from Todd Bowles' tree, been under Todd Bowles for a long time. I think Caldwell and Press Taylor will figure it out, but when you look at the first four games of the schedule against the Commanders, you've got uh, the Colts, you've got Philly and one other squad there. Are you able to come out and, and win some games early on? newness will have a big impact on that if they're able to gel quickly enough uh, and when you look at the jaguars veterans they're not required to attend mini camp obviously doug peterson feels good about where they're at if he's given these guys off all week uh, but we'll see we'll see how that plays out volk fang says what's up happy monday Carl Prout, Josh Allen and Evan Ingram are coming over to the UK for a fan event later this week. Can't wait to see those guys. Tony Baselli as well. Yeah, that's cool. Obviously, Josh Allen has been a fan favorite since he's been here. Evan Ingram's a very talented tight end. Jaguars brought him in on that prove it deal. He's got a chance to have a huge impact in 2022. And Tony Baselli, what can you say? Hall of Famer. Gotta love it. So yeah, just new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. You've got over half your starters on each side of the ball. New. A very young team. A new kicker. Whether it's Ryan Santoso or Andrew Mivas, that's going to be a new kicker. John says, you have any opinions about the camp structure for this week? I think it's smart even though it's a new regime. I don't know. I mean, I've never seen a Jaguars coach give the Vets minicamp camp off. Obviously, since I've been covering the team and watching the team, there hasn't been that much success. Not since 2007. 2017, they had that one year. But really, you have to go back to Jack Del Rio's tenure to see a team who had any success in back-to-back years or over the course of a three- or four-year run. I don't have a problem with it. I'll say that. I think if Doug Peterson feels comfortable With where this team is at, where the veterans are at, giving them, you know, three days of unpadded practice off in June, I don't think is a big deal. And it it does also give you the advantage of getting the rookies back on the field without the vets. You had them on the field early with rookie minicamp. Then the vets came in where it was mixed with rookies and vets. Now the the rookies have had that experience and they're going to go back to getting more individual focus from the coaching staff over the next three days i do think that could help the rookies it could help the jaguars coaching staff evaluate maybe some of the guys on the fringe of the roster like kevin austin nick brought up does do do i think kevin austin makes the roster it's tough at this point i haven't seen him play in pads i would have guessed based off of what I've seen from the rest of the receivers on the Jaguars roster, which there are six veterans um, that, that you feel good about with Christian Kirk, Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, LaVisca Chenault, uh, Jamal Agnew, and Laquan Treadwell, does he beat any of those guys out? Do the Jaguars keep seven receivers instead of six? These are questions that will need to be answered throughout the course of training camp. I will say I'm excited to see Kevin Austin this week and in training camp once the pads come on. But at this point I would have to say he's looks more like a practice squad player than an active roster type of guy. He's still dropping a little bit too many of the easy ones. I have seen him make some, seen him make some impressive grabs, but you've got to be able to do the little things to get on the field and to stay on the roster. And he doesn't have special teams experience either. So there's a few things that are not going in Kevin Austin's favor. What is going in his favor is he's a hell of an athlete. He is out there working hard. He is able to make some big plays down the field. And the Jaguars brought him in here uh, with some intention behind it, right? They, they gave him a lot of money for a undrafted free agent. They wanted to make sure he was coming to Jacksonville. They got him here. Now it's their job and his job to get him ready to compete for the final roster Cool Joe says does Jimmy Smith's son make the roster so he's not on the roster anymore like he was a rookie mini camp invite there was about forty guys or so that were invited to that rookie mini camp that aren't on the team anymore they're down to ninety players right now and and Jimmy Smith the third or Trey Smith he's not one of those guys so think that kind of answers that question husband and wife gaming I would like them to keep Agnew for special teams only could be used in emergency role hate losing that special teams weapon with injury I do think there's some value to saying that but you have to look back at what this guy was doing on offense last year I mean when he was healthy and actually receiving a lot of reps both as a receiver and in the backfield He was their most effective weapon. And I'm not saying that just because there were no other effective weapons. He was actually very efficient. He caught the ball at a high clip. He looked like a really good route runner. He showed good ball skills and body control and feet, like his ability to to get his feet down in bounds on those sideline balls. He looked like a natural slot receiver and offensive weapon. So could I see you limiting his exposure? as a as an offensive player to maybe like 5 10 15 snaps a game maybe he touches the ball five times a game 5 to 7 in that range yeah i could see that for sure but i don't think you completely get rid of his offense uh, his his role in the offense because he can be incredibly effective yeah husband and wife says gaming says that sideline catch against the Bengals is one of the most impressive impressive catches i've seen exactly and and you saw him make plays in the backfield and as a receiver. So I can't say let's completely remove this guy from the offense. But getting back to the weaknesses here, we talked about the newness of everything. I don't think that's a long-term weakness, and it might not be a weakness at all, but it is a potential issue early on in the season. John says, plus LaVisca might help with special teams. My guess is you wouldn't have Visca back there if Agnew's healthy. But, yeah, getting Visca those reps throughout the summer is going to be helpful if Agnew does have to miss any time. And and that kind of segues into my next potential weakness for the Jaguars, and that's injuries specifically on the offensive side of the ball. You could say any team, that's a potential weakness, right? But the Jaguars, with the roster that they have, there's a little bit more precedent uh, for for a lot of injuries. When you look at running back, Travis Etienne and James Robinson are both coming off huge injuries. Lower body foot injuries are not good for running backs. Uh, Robinson's still battling back from the Achilles. He is running in a straight line right now, which you like to see. Etienne is fully healthy, but both of those guys coming off the major foot injuries, it is going to be a concern. You look at Brandon Scherf, who the Jaguars paid a boatload of money to bring in. And for good reason, this is a Pro Bowl right guard, one of the best in the business, but he's missed a lot of time, very similar to Brandon Linder and how much time he misses in his career. Not as bad as Linder in terms of Linder was missing, I think, over 40% of his career potential starts. Scherf isn't in that realm yet. I think he's played in about 60% of his his games that he could have played, 65%, something like that. But Brandon Scherf has missed time every year at right guard. um, I know, I don't think you're going to have a huge crater in the middle of the offensive line. If Scherf does get hurt because you have um, three good guys outside of him on the interior that you feel good about. And Tyler Shatley, Ben Barch, and Luke Fortner. And there's even depth beyond that in the offensive line room. So it's not going to be like a crater, but When you go from Brandon Scherf, who is a Pro Bowl-level talent every time he's on the field, to then maybe having Luke Fortner in there or Ben Barch, it's not going to be that same incredibly high level of play. And then at wide receiver, uh, none of the wide receivers outside of Jamal Agnew are coming off of major injuries, but my question is, if Christian Kirk goes down, do they have enough weapons to line up in the slot and outside to still be the type of offense that they, that they want to be? Um, there's really no one else outside of a Jamal Agnew, who, again, is coming off an injury of his, his own, a, a big hip injury that caused him to miss the end of the season, and he's still recovering. If Christian Kirk goes down, who has a similar skill set on offense? I'm not sure. Carl Prout asking a question about the safeties. We will get to that. John says, We have cornerback and linebacker to cover any shortcomings for safety. Yeah. Uh, I think that's an interesting take. I am going to talk about a couple positions that it's not about the injuries, it's not about the newness, that it is about the talent level. We'll get into that. In- in, uh, just a second here. I would like to remind everybody I will be live on the relevant app for Delugo on Duval at 2 p.m. today talking minicamp and talking about the naming rights for the practice facility. If you missed any updates from last week, Jaguars veterans are not at mandatory minicamp this week unless they're recovering from injuries, rehabbing from injuries. It'll be mostly rookies. But yeah, strong safety. I think this is a reasonable question when you look at the Jaguars starting lineup. Rayshawn Jenkins was brought in last year on a starter's deal, about $8 million a year. He came in, he was voted team captain by his peers. And you know, there was a lot going wrong in Jacksonville with the coaching staff, with everything going on. But I don't think anyone else in the starting lineup or anyone else that was named a captain let that negativity and and the issues going on inside the building affect their play more than Rayshon Jenkins, who ended up with, I believe, six penalties um, and, and really just struggled to keep his head on straight. Like a uh, 49ers rookie receiver got him into trouble, like getting up in his grill and getting him all, all riled up. And it ended up, you know, getting him a 15-yard penalty. He might have been ejected from that game. I can't remember. But he had several personal foul-type penalties that were just him not making the right decision in the moment. And when he wasn't racking up the penalties, I do think he was a decent overhang defender. I think he was decent in the box playing the run. But do you look at him and say, this is a guy we can really get excited about as a versatile safety in the modern NFL. I think he should be more of a third safety in a in a rotation versus a starter. So I do think you can look at strong safety and say, maybe that is not a very strong position. Maybe that could be a weakness. Now, don't get me wrong. I do think Rayshon Jenkins played well when he was playing with the Chargers. He filled in a lot for Derwin James when Derwin James was out. And he played nickel. He played strong safety. He played free safety. I think there's a chance that Rayshawn Jenkins does kind of show us that 2021 was an aberration. But even then, I still think his best role in the NFL is as a third safety. Got a couple questions coming in here. Brady Jones, he says, I think Doug's usage of tight ends gives us a lot more flexibility offensively should a guy like Kirk go down at any point. I agree with that. But the reason I said Christian Kirk specifically is because they brought him in here Paid him a boatload of money, $18 million a year. Obviously, there's a a, a team out after year two, but they're paying him a lot over the next couple years at minimum. They have a specific role in mind for Christian Kirk. He's going to move all around the formation. I'm not saying there aren't guys that can't do that, but I don't think outside of Jamal Agnew, who, again, is not healthy yet, not fully healthy yet. Who else has that twitchy, uh, route-running, quick-separator, ability. I mean Marvin Jones is more of a, a possession race receiver. Zay Jones is kind of more of just a balanced receiver, not an elite separator, not super quick, not going to uncover super fast. That's why I worry about if Christian Kirk were to go down because I just don't know that anyone else is going to be able to replicate his entire role. Like if if Marvin Jones went down, I do think Zay Jones is fine. Um, if if Zay Jones went down, I think you know, between Visca and everybody else, you can certainly overcome losing him. If Evan Ingram goes down, I think you have Dan Arnold and Chris Manhurts and Luke Farrell. You can potentially overcome that. But when Christian Kirk goes down, I just don't know who is replacing that skill set on this offense besides Jamal Agnew, who is inexperienced at receiver and coming off a major injury of his own. Jack Sarah says, do you expect healthy veterans getting any extra work in at minicamp beyond the selected veterans? They invited to be there. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'll find out today. We'll be out there at minicamp. practice starts at 1145. So I will be providing updates. You can follow me on Twitter at Jordan DeLugo. I'll be looking to see. Yeah. Are there any other veterans there? Critty says, right now, who will you have at the third safety? Wingard, Ford, Thomas. They can come and play nickel and all that. I would say, personally, talent wise, I think Daniel Thomas is the most talented out of those three. Rudy Ford obviously has experience from last year playing nickel, but he really was a better uh, box nickel defender. Like, you don't want him uh, carrying receivers and tight ends vertically down the field. I do think they like Wingard. I think if he's your third safety, you could do worse, but his inability and and really just unwillingness to try to bring down guys like Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor in this division, that will not cut it. So I really don't want to see Wingard on the field unless it's special teams. But Thomas, great athlete, little undersized in terms of height. He's got plenty of beef on him, on his frame. He's a strong athletic safety that I think is smart. And I think he played well. When he got on the field last year so that would be my vote i I think the team might go with with wingard as the third safety right now we'll see ben says do we put rudy ford back in that eraser role that he seemed to thrive in early last season i don't think that that's going to be like i don't think he's going to be the starting nickel darius williams is going to be the starting nickel but uh will rudy ford have some packages a role in this defense maybe we'll see he hasn't had that throughout his career he's been primarily a special teamer I think that is where he fits best but if they want to have a, a role for him where he's like the big nickel or you know the dime looks I could see that do I think Chad muma would be better probably even as a as a nickel defender Kevin Maxwell. Good morning, Jordan. Good morning to you as well, Kevin. He says, Kevin Austin Jr. will be the guy to make the most of his opportunity and be the next in line after Hearns and Cole. I hope you're right. He certainly has the talent to do so. It's about doing the little things, being a professional. Can you block? Can you play on special teams? Uh, Can you catch the easy passes? We'll see. So we've talked about the newness of everything. Uh, The potential for injury on offense, I think that is a little bit higher than what most teams are dealing with. Just when you look at Brandon Scherf, uh, Jamal Agnew coming off the injury, both running backs coming off of major injuries, there's a lot of potential for that to impact this season. Then you look at strong safety, I think there's potential for Rayshawn Jenkins to be a little bit of a weak link in the starting lineup. But as I believe it was John that said, they have the the ability to cover that up if Rayshawn Jenkins isn't playing well. Yeah, I think you could get Daniel Thomas in the game. I think you could get Chad Muma in the game more. Uh, you could line up with more cornerback sets. I do think there's a lot of different things you could do to overcome that, if that is the case. Husband and wife gaming. I may have missed you talking about this, but with our linebackers, do you think the 4-3 fits better to have all three on the field? So they're – they're going to be primarily a 3-4 defense, but they are going to be multi-front, which means it's not just going to be a 3-4. You will see 4-3. Uh, when they drop into nickel, there will be four down linemen. If they're running a big nickel, you could see Moomin getting on the field. Even if they're um, in a base 3-4, you could see Devin Lloyd drop down to outside linebacker on the line of scrimmage and get Mooma in there next to Foy Aluokin. So I do think Moom is going to end up having a role on the defensive side of the ball, but I, I'm kind of on the fence about whether he's going to be in that 500-plus snap territory on defense, which is where I would really kind of start considering someone a starter or, or a major contributor. And that's just in year one. I think, you know, throughout the season, he'll get more put on his plate, and, and he's going to end up being a starter in the Jaguars uniform for a long time. Jack's air says any weakness with the coaching staff, maybe the lack of coordinator experience. Yeah. I've talked about that. That could be a weakness early on the lack of coordinators or excuse me, the lack of experience with your coordinators. I think long-term press Taylor and Mike Caldwell have the ability to be very impactful and, and, and positive impacts for this team, but it's just about coming together early, uh, having a, a new staff that, that hasn't really worked together all that much. Most of these guys. So yeah, newness injuries on offense, strong safety. And my final point to bring up here that I know some people are probably thinking is one of the biggest, biggest weaknesses on the team. And it may very well be is the lack of a true alpha wide receiver. One, a guy who can be a possession receiver and a big play threat who can really just make defenses uh, have to worry about them play in and play out. There isn't that guy, the big 6'2, 6'3 guy that runs a 4-4 that makes every play that you could ever ask for. That guy isn't on this team. Does that matter as much in a Doug Peterson offense? He hasn't really had that. I mean, the closest thing he had to that in Philly was an aging Alshon Jeffrey, who did make a lot of big plays for them. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be that big. I think when you look at, they're going to have a lot of bunch formations. They're going to have a lot of movement, a lot of play action, a lot of, of, of plans and ability to be multiple and to have guys lined up in different places, to have the scheme really working for the players versus the players working for a scheme that, that doesn't really work, which is what you saw in 2021. I think, Again, when you have these bunch formations, when you have read options, RPOs, pre-snap movement, guys lining up all over the place, play action game, all that stuff is going to make it easier for this offense to overcome not having that elite wide receiver one. Is it going to come back to haunt them not bringing in like an Allen Robinson or not going after one of the top receivers in the draft? We'll find out this, this upcoming season. One thing I will say, though, is with Marvin Jones going into the final year of his deal, he's aging now. It is possible that wide receiver will be the biggest need after the season. I'm just not sure it will be a glaring hole during the season. I know a lot of people think it's the one area that the Jaguars really messed up on this year, but I think Christian Kirk and Marvin Jones are both reliable starters. Zay Jones is okay. Like he, he does the little things that you need wide receivers to do to succeed. And then you also look at Visca and Agnew are guys that I think can really play positive roles. And then Evan Ingram and Dan Arnold. I think that, that, that tight end group right there is really impressive. I think they will be able to overcome not having a wide receiver one, but I could certainly understand the argument for, for them needing a wide receiver one. I just don't think it's going to end up being, I don't think their wide receiver room is going to end up being a weakness on the team this year. All right. What do we got? MT says Walker stat predictions. You think Lloyd is favored to win defensive rookie of the year? It's hard for linebackers to win defensive rookie of the year. I believe uh, off ball linebackers just because if you have, like Trayvon Walker. If Trayvon Walker goes out and flirts with double-digit sacks, you know, guys like that are who wins defensive rookie of the year. When you put up big stats in the sack department, or or if you're able to go get seven interceptions or something crazy if you're a defensive back, I think Lloyd is gonna play a ton. I think he's gonna make a ton of plays. I just don't know if he's gonna be defensive rookie of the year, but Trayvon Walker. By the way, Devin Lloyd, I think the odds are pretty favorable. I, I wouldn't blame you. I would probably go with Trayvon Walker if I had to, though, not because I think he's necessarily a better player than Devin Lloyd, but he has the opportunity to rush the passer. Uh, he has the opportunity to you know really flirt with double digit sacks. I, you haven't seen him do that in college, but you haven't seen him play outside linebacker exclusively in college. He didn't He didn't have the opportunities to go out there and just pin his ears back and rush the passer, which is that's what he's going to be allowed to do in Jacksonville. Uh, prediction for, for Trayvon Walker's stats. I'll, I'll give him uh, six sacks and 35 pressures, bunch of run stuffs, at least one per game on average, I would say big run stuff. Robert says Walker at right tackle and Doug won Super Bowl with a bunch of twos. Yeah, I agree. I think I agree with every, I think I've said that, you know, at this point in the show, John says, I think Lloyd could be in the running for a defensive rookie of the year, but I wouldn't say favorite. I would agree with that. MT says, I think he is because of the fact he's a linebacker stat padding position. He's on an average team. So we'll get a ton of opportunities. We'll see. I think if for a linebacker to win, an off-ball linebacker to win rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year, he's going to have to get a bunch of sacks and interceptions and maybe some fumble, forced fumbles, all that good stuff. Jack Sayre says, have fun at minicamp. I certainly will. John, he has a lot of competition around him for those stats. Yeah, exactly. Foy, Luke, and led the league in tackles last year. That's the guy he's playing next to. Brady Jones, Smith and Jigba, or Butte, and the draft next year to pair with Kirk would be the cherry on top. Yeah, I think if you're able to get your favorite, whoever it is, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Booty from LSU, there's a few other receivers that are going to be first round talents as well. Jordan Addison, potentially. Who else do I have with a first round grade? I've only just gotten into summer scouting. But wide receivers that I have a first on right now are Addison, Boudet, Smith, and Jigba, and Quentin Johnson from TCU. I have Josh Downs out of UNC with a two on him right now. All right, we'll answer a couple more questions and then bounce up out of here. MT says nine and eight is my answer for season records. You guys are selling the Jags short. I would not be shocked if they're nine and eight at the end of the season, but I've got them at seven and 10 because they are playing the AFC West. Really tough, really tough division. Um, And I think they're probably going to be three and three in their division. Robert says, Buster Brown looks like he might take Trey's spot. I would be tough. Trey Herndon, as much as he kind of has struggled as a starter in the NFL Getting him in there as a, as a nickel backup nickel, I think he'll be tough tough for a rookie to take down. But I think Buster Brown and Gregory Jr. are both in a good position to potentially make the roster. MT says, we match up just as well as anyone in the NFL if Lawrence makes that Burrow-like jump. That's a bold statement, okay? I don't know if you're talking about the receiving core here or what, but just look at Joe Burrow. You think the Jaguars have receivers that match up with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and and Tyler Boyd? And then you got Joe Mixon at running back. You've got an improved offensive line. I hear you. I think the Jaguars can go out and be competitive week in and week out. You know, if Press Taylor and Mike Caldwell, if they're uh, getting it done early on as first-time coordinators. I agree with you. But I wouldn't say that they're right up there with like uh, some, there's some other teams that have significantly more talent at the offensive skill positions. But I think with Doug Peterson's scheme with the talent you do have, uh, hopefully the offensive line is playing the way that you expect them to play. And then I think Trevor Lawrence does make a big jump. I've said that many times. I do think Trevor Lawrence will make a big jump in 2022. All right. That looks like all we got. Robert says we'll be lucky to get wildcard. I agree. I mean, lucky, whatever you want to call it. I think wildcard would be an unbelievable result for the Jaguars in 2022. I think you just want them to be competitive and maybe competing for a spot in the playoffs late in November into December. All right, we've got one more thing here. Going into last season, Zach Taylor was on the hot seat. They had the worst O-line in the league, average tight ends, and Jesse Bates wasn't the best, but they went off. You can't expect anything. Okay. I don't really know how to respond to that. So that's going to wrap up the show. Oh, he says, the Jags might shock the world, MT does the same way with the Jets. You just don't know, is what I'm trying to say. Yes, you do not know. I agree with that. I think I've said, I think the Jaguars have a chance to make the wild card. I'm not predicting them to do that at this point, but with the talent they have with Doug Peterson you know, running the show and calling the plays and Trevor Lawrence, yeah, I think there's a chance they make a jump. I agree with you. All right, that is going to do it. Thanks for tuning in, Duval. Hit me up on Twitter at Jordan DeLugo. Follow Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. Uh, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube and check jinjag.com for all the latest Jaguars news, analysis, and Duval gear. And don't forget, I will be live on the relevant app at 2 p.m. today, every Monday and Wednesday at 2 p.m., talking Jaguars football today. We'll be taking a look at minicamp, the naming rights for the practice facility, and if we have time, we will also dive into what the Jaguars offense will look like a little bit more in depth. Appreciate everybody.
0: Have a good one.